So uh, our last episode, I said something that was not biologically or factually correct. I mentioned that my uterus was in pain, but (laughs) it was in fact my ovaries that were in pain. But Mm. I think that I just had uteruses on the brain because Marie... (laughs) Marie's uterus is actually growing a child at this point. Not mine. My uterus is occupied. Do not It's occupied. Occupado. Occupado. Yes, for anyone who doesn't follow me or Nicolina on Instagram, I announced uh, this weekend that I am expecting, I am with child, <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, I'm yeah, stoked. We're all very excited, and I'm very happy to not have to hear Marie whine <laughs> about her struggles with fertility. It anymore. has been a long, long road to get here, but here we are. I mean, being a supportive friend is, um, <sighs> you know, I try Rough to be for a you. leader no, as kidding. a Leo. <laughs> You are. You are a good I do my best, but sometimes it's just like, you know what? I can't relate because I don't want a child right now. It's also (laughs) rough when like you can't offer advice or like you can't. Yeah, and I have no, I have, this is actually really funny because another friend of mine was talking about like an ailment that she was experiencing over the weekend and -hmm. was like asking me for advice. And I was like, I'm sorry, but do my friends think that I am a doctor? (laughs) Like... I, I just paging doctor Savelli like <laughs> no I don't know go see a doctor about it I just pictured me like messaging you or talking to you on the phone about being like oh yeah like didn't work this month the fertility treatments didn't work this month or whatever and then um you just <laughs> responding with can't relate <laughs> <laughs> no. no fucking yeah. idea sorry sorry about your luck so I'm not a bitch, I swear. No, you're I'm not. Just, you were great. I'm just anyway. honest. <laughs> anyway, welcome to Paranormal, guys. It's yeah. uh, your favorite spooky duo. I'm Nicolina. I'm Marie. And, and welcome to uh, this week's uh, non-investigative but true story paranormal podcast. Yeah, I'm very excited to be back. Yes. We were uh, uh, took a one-week hiatus there. We took some time because I was pregnant. <laughs> mm-hmm. she was super pregnant she still is super pregnant but she was like extra super pregnant extra pregnant um, <laughs> just overcome with pregnancy yes and she and and we just had a lot of other things on the go um I teased some stuff on our um mm-hmm. our Instagram story as well at paranormal pod so if you are on our close friends list I will continue to tease those items out probably for the next month I think mm-hmm to the day that this episode comes out and you'll find out a month from now about what is going on with us and mm-hmm. uh, some exciting news and and stuff. So be sure if you want to be added to close friends to become a page, Patreon and join us or patron and jo- and uh, go sign up for our Patreon. So Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, without further ado, do you want to jump into horoscopes? I do. Yeah, sure. Okay. I think um, I'm first this week. All right. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. Um, hold tight to your money, Leo, because you may have some strange, though noble, impulses to give it away or spend a large amount on something useless. 
You should think about spending your money in a better way or better yet, not at all. Why not consider donating some time rather than money to those in need? Well, that was, oh, donate time instead of giving money. Okay, that's that's still fine. I was like, whoa, that's so me. I mean, (laughs) well, my brother was recently laid off for two weeks from steel car. So his job because of a COVID outbreak Mm -hmm. Um, and due to that, uh, he is renting my basement, but I also want him to save money so that he can move and find his own place and have first Mm -hmm. and last rent. Um, so I mean, I gave him a break on, on rent for the month and ongoing just so that he's not struggling. But I mean, I'm still like, he's not like getting it for free. So I don't know. But, um, and I don't think I've, I've definitely haven't purchased anything major. I have been looking at things to purchase Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. rental property, but I feel Mm -hmm. like that's not really wasteful necessarily i don't think so either Um, no so but i'm yeah uh i'm not like giving away money or like (laughs) like you know i didn't sign up for like adopt a child or anything recently so i'm not sure yeah i mean one day maybe but i definitely haven't recently um but good advice i guess i won't be giving my money away i and i I mean, I'm planning to renovate my basement, but like, I'm not buying anything. Like, I'm not going all in and being like, I'm right. gonna buy this furniture before I do it. Right. I don't know. Right. So, I, I don't know. I'm not really, I'm a conservative person when it comes to money. I don't really, uh, I come from a very, come from, I was born and raised by an immigrant Capricorn. So, like, <laughs> there's just like, my, my risk taking with money is very limited. Fair. Um, So, okay. So Gemini, uh, this time of year has you doing some deep spring cleaning on a psychological level. It's important for you to clear out all the emotional cobwebs now so that you can burst onto the scene feeling fresh and renewed in the coming weeks. Today's skies briefly redirect your focus from your inner world as the full moon in sharp Scorpio illuminates the reality of your current work and health circumstances. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I don't know either. Emotional um, cobwebs. I don't know. I don't know if I have any emotional cobwebs right now. Pretty no. just excited about things. I mean, I lazed about all day today. Again, yeah. because I am pregnant. And that's the last time I'll say it. <laughs> but it's, it takes a lot of energy out of you to grow a person. So Totally. <laughs> So I lazed about all day, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know about the emotional cobwebs. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't think it redirected your focus from your inner world. If anything, you were focused on your inner world. That's true. But um, maybe the reality of your health circumstances, a.k.a. being pregnant. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Pregnant. I don't know. That's very, it's a very vague. It was. Yeah. It was. It was. Um, All right. Alrighty. So, um, I got the bright idea to do, um, basically paranormal like pets or animals. Um, I don't know where it came from per se. I had a reason for it initially, but now I've lost it. Um, I know. But, how, do you want me to tell? Cause I can Oh tell yeah. You. you say it. Cause you can remember. Yeah. <laughs> you wanted to do su- famous superstitions and like the stories behind them and how they started. Yes. And then you were like, 
I'm going to do one about black cats. And then it turned into animal stories. And I'm so down for that. Yeah, totally into it. Okay. Okay. Who goes, who goes first? You? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I first heard about this story when I was listening to a different podcast uh, I was listening to My Favorite Murder and they covered it on one episode and I was like, this is the strangest story and I cannot wait to cover this on my podcast because it's definitely got paranormal undertones. And the story is the story of Jeff the Talking Mongoose. And so I got my my uh, information from a Mental Floss article and from Wikipedia. So... <clears throat> In the early 1930s, there was a man named James Irving, and he lived in the village of Dalby on the Isle of Man, and he was getting ready to open his daily newspaper one morning when a high-pitched, disembodied voice called out impatiently, read it out, you fat-headed gnome. (laughs) Sorry. I just had trauma flashbacks, I think. Okay. The voice didn't belong to his wife. It didn't belong to his teenage daughter. So the only humans that were likely to be in the farmhouse um, were those two people and him himself. So it wasn't anyone that lived there. Um, And even though he was offended, he wasn't surprised because he knew who the voice belonged to. And it belonged to a strange creature called Jeff, who for some reason had been living largely unseen in his family's home. The creature first showed up in the residence sometime in 1931, and according to the accounts of James uh, Margaret, his wife, and Voiry, his daughter, um, the voice had initially come and lived in the walls, and it wasn't able to talk, so it just imitated a different range of different animal noises, I guess, which would be quite terrifying, let me tell you. Um, And then quickly, the unseen entity started to pick up human language by listening to them. And before long, it ended up introducing itself to the family. His name, he said, was Jeff. It's spelled G-E-F, but it's pronounced Jeff, like with a J. So, you know, it's the whole gif Jeff mm-hmm. fiasco mm-hmm. all over again in the 1930s. Like, they yes. did it first. Like, get, get real. <laughs> and he was a mongoose, and he told them that he came from India. So... Over the course of the 1930s, Jeff the Talking Mongoose uh, obviously became something of a phenomenon. He appeared in numerous tabloid newspaper stories, and he was investigated by paranormal researchers. Many visitors wrote Jeff off uh, as some kind of hoax or some type of like mass hallucination that the family was experiencing together. Um, But the Irving family definitely insisted that he was real. They told stories of him sleeping in Voyery's room. They said that he used to eat bacon and sausages, and he would even ride the bus and bring back gossip about the neighbors that the family had no way of knowing. Like, could you, I would be like, okay, Jeff, stay then. I want to know about about like Agnes the next door. Yeah, like okay, fine, you can snack on it, but like leave me some. <laughs> <laughs> you 
You can have your bacon when you finish telling me what is going on at the farm down the road, because I swear something is amok over there. Um, The families have actually all claimed to have seen him at some point with their own eyes. And in a 1932 interview with the Manchester Daily Dispatch, James described the creature as a little animal resembling a stoat, a ferret, or a weasel, yellow in color with a body about nine inches long. Its bushy tail is speckled with black. So, the Irving family's descriptions of Jeff seem to shift from that of a real mongoose to something more of like a sprite who... Although it was verbally active and they thought possibly he could be telekinetic, uh, they rarely ever saw him. So I guess just on those very few occasions, they were able to catch glimpses of him. Jeff's own accounts of himself also varied. At one point, he described himself as merely an extra, extra clever mongoose. But another time he said, I'll split the atom. I'm, I am the fifth dimension. I am the eighth wonder of the world. So. Oh, so he's a narcissist as well. You know, I don't want to invite Jeff here to get pissed off about, you know, <laughs> things. But, yeah, I think he's probably not a great guy. So. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. We're going to get into it right now. Um, they okay. accused him of throwing stones, killing rabbits... And singing renditions of Home on the Range that were a little inappropriate, let's just say. Oh. Mm-hmm. They don't go into detail about that anywhere, but um, I wish I knew because I would definitely sing it for you guys right now. <laughs> um, so the Talking Mongoose's little speeches, however, ended up, they started rude. So it was, they, he would say things like, here's a quote. I have been to nicer homes than this. Carpets, piano, satin covers on polished tables. I'm going back there. Ha ha ha. That's literally the whole quote. So they started off rude, but then they moved on to terrifying. Uh, Another quote. I could kill you all, but I won't. End quote. Right? Terrifying. Normal. I know. So... Only one newspaper ever claimed to have actually seen Jeff in an article called Man Weasel, Mystery Crips Island, (laughs) Queerest Beast Talks to Daily Dispatcher Reporter. Some members of the media took the case seriously enough to launch a full investigation. Rex Lambert, who was the founding editor of BBC's Listener magazine, took on the mongoose story with celebrity paranormal investigator Harry Price, and both of them published their findings in a book called The Haunting of Cashin's Gap, A Modern Miracle Investigated, 19, and that was published in 1936. So, Lambert and Price emerged from their investigation skeptical of Jeff's existence. Hair samples allegedly that were allegedly plucked from Jeff uh, were analyzed, and they were determined to belong to a longish-haired dog. But I don't know, like, how good the DNA testing would have been in the 1930s. Like, how do you Probably know it's not, not mongoose good. hair? Like, how often are you plucking hair from a mongoose and comparing it to that of the ethereal being Jeff? Like, get real. Um, clay imprints of Jeff's paws, meanwhile, lacked the irregular texture of an animal's skin, and zoological experts suggested that they were probably just carved with a stick. So that is a little sus. I'll, I'll give them that. Uh, 
I'm a teen, in case you weren't aware. I've been on TikTok all day. (laughs) And so Price thought that the teenager of could have been using ventriloquism to create Jeff's voice, which is what I thought, like the whole time I was reading this, I was like, somebody is like, you know, the 1930s version of Jeff Dunham. Like somebody's really out here practicing their <laughs> ventriloquism very well. Um, so the case could have ended there, but it did not. Over the years, Jeff faded away, but has never been fully forgotten. First, Lambert, who is probably best remembered for his incorrect predictions about the future of television, including television won't matter in your lifetime or mine. (laughs) Well, he almost lost his job. Burn that book at the stake. (laughs) That never never entered my communications course, let me tell you that. Yeah. He almost lost his job when a retired colonel, his name was Sir Cecil Levita, had said that the coverage of the Jeff story meant that he was, like, crazy. Uh, Lambert responded to the allegation. He brought a slander suit um, uh, against him, and it was referred to as the Mongoose Case, which sounds like a really good band name. Um, And he eventually won the the slander case, too, so that's good. Um, The eternal human fascination with talking animals has ensured that Jeff still has a few diehard fans. In 2014, according to the Wall Street Journal, the world's preeminent authorities on Jeff gathered in the University of London's Senate House Library to discuss the mongoose mystery. In addition to predictable speculation about who or what Jeff was and whether he existed, some investigators took a more academic approach to the Jeff mystery. Richard Epsley, who was the director of the library's English language collection, argued that Jeff's story was part of a larger trend of talking animals in oral histories, dating back as far as the Pancha Tantra, which was a collection of ancient Indian animal fables, and he described as the mongoose your narrative. So, take that as you will. Okay. Though the mystery of Jeff may never be satisfyingly solved, the talking mongoose does seem to fit into a broader history of talking animal legends, which appear in everything from ancient texts like the Bible and the Panchatantra to more recent pop culture phenomenon like the spate of YouTube videos that feature talking dogs, which I mean, like, we know that huskies, like, talk, right? Like, we're... Yeah, they talk. (laughs) Um, Anyway, in an article on the psychological roots of the talking animal myth... Uh, Aeon notes that speaking animals provide us with the potential of an entirely different world, a world that is reminiscent of our own, even familiar, and yet still uncanny enough to maintain the fantasy. And then ending this Mental Floss article, I'll quote, Maybe the legend of Jeff the Talking Mongoose was a collective fantasy, the product of a, of a basic human desire for otherworldly wonder and magic. But then again, maybe Jeff really was what he claimed to be. An extra, extra clever mongoose. Interesting. And that's the story of Jeff the Talking Mongoose. What came to be of Jeff? Like, where did he he go? It said he slowly faded away. He just faded away. Slowly faded away. That's fucking weird. Right? I know. Yeah, that's weird. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, if it was like that person just doing some Jeff Dunham type shit and uh, just kind of lost her momentum or his momentum in in the whole 
charade, then that would kind of add up. But right. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Pretty wild. I'm just looking um, up his Wikipedia page now to see if they say anything else about how he left. But no, it seems like he just faded away. He just faded away just mm-hmm. into oblivion. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, that's fun. Um, <laughs> I, tried. I mean, I've never really. No, it was good. Um, I've never really uh, paid attention to mongoose before, but now I will. Now I'm going to be very like alert if that if for some reason a mongoose comes up ever again. Mon- when, when have you ever seen it like a wild mongoose? Never, around? ever. Like I feel, are they in the zoo? Like I they. Have no idea. The only thing, like, mongoose just reminds me of, like, was it a bike that people used to have? Or was it a scooter? There was, like, a big thing about... I feel like it was a scooter. Was it, like, when scooters were really big? Like, razor scooters? Maybe. I could be completely wrong, mongoose was a bike, and then there was razor scooters, and they were really cool at the same time. Okay, okay, okay. Well, (laughs) I'm from the East End. Uh, We didn't have mongoose. We just had... I I was one of the lucky ones. I got a a razor scooter. Everyone else got, like, a... A, ba- a Baser scooter. Ooh. Um, like a knockoff of Razors. Um, oh my God. But that's the perks of being an only child, you know? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, anyway. So I'm, so my, my story isn't really a linear story. Um, I'm kind of going to go into some of the like historical superstitions about why black cats have been, known for being unlucky or what else they've been basically known for because it's not always unluckiness it's other things as well um and then I also have a few examples and um store I'll end off with a with a quite a scary story about a black cat um oh I'm excited for that yeah so here we go okay so the black cat superstition um is obviously most popular that they're bad luck especially if one crosses your path um in an investigation into this particular folk belief pet md explains that negative associations with black cats and other black animals go back centuries and have largely to do with linking these animals to witchcraft as far back as the ancient greeks legends told of a servant transformed into a black cat by the goddess hera who then went on to become the attendant of Hesate, the goddess of witchcraft. By the Middle Ages, black cats were among the most common animals believed to be familiars of witches, and and it was generally believed that many witches could take the form of black cats themselves. As panic over witchcraft grew in Europe, cats often bore the brunt of that superstition and were executed in large numbers. The association between black cats and witches and devil worship has only somewhat diminished in the popular consciousness. Even in modern times, urban myth often tells of devil worshippers or other unsavory sorts sacrificing black cats to Satan on Halloween. This is, of course, satanic panic nonsense, but some animal shelters are cautious about adopting out black cats in October due to worry about those who might try to replicate the legend or persecute an animal for being too witchy. Hmm. This I know, is, of so course, sad. it's Sorry. so sad. Yeah. Um, this is, of course, the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the cultural and historical implications of black cats and their associations with the paranormal. 
There are many, many stories across history that makes one wonder, are black cats really connected to something higher, maybe even darker? So let's explore some of the mythology and folklore around black cats to help us decide. So in Celtic mythology, um, there's the story of the cat she, which means fairy cat, a fairy in the form of a black cat. The cat she is typically described as being a black cat the size of a dog with a white spot on its chest. The Scottish people believed that the cat she would seek out funerals with the intention of stealing the soul of the departed before it could be claimed by the gods by walking over the body before it could be buried. In order to avoid this, it was customary to hold overnight wakes in order to keep the cat away from the body until it could be buried. The participants in these late wakes, as they were called, were tasked with distracting the cat by any means necessary, including catnip, games, riddles, or music. I would totally sign up for that job. (laughs) I know. I could totally picture you doing that. (laughs) Then we have the Matagot. A Matagot, also spelled Mandagot, and otherwise known as a money cat, is a magical creature from the folklore of southern France. According to the Brianna Dragon blog, a Matagot most often takes the form of a black cat, but it can also take the form of other animals such as a fox, rat, cow, dog, or any which are typically in the service of a witch or other magic practitioner. While Matagots were considered to be evil in nature, if captured and properly cared for, they could provide great benefit for their captor. For every meal, the Matagot's master had to feed the first bite of food and first sip of drink to the creature and provide a suitable place for sleeping. If the magician could manage to maintain this practice, the Matagot would provide wealth and good fortune to its owner, usually in the form of a gold coin every day, hence the name Money Cat. The other important condition to owning a Matagot is to release it from its servitude before your death. If the Matagot is still bound to you as you lie dying, it will make your final days miserable. If you think you can agree to these conditions, you can lure a Matagot out of hiding with fresh chicken. If you can scoop it up and walk all the way home without looking behind you, you just scored yourself a money cat. I want, I want a money cat. <laughs> I know. I've, I'm so interested in this money cat. I would like one, mythology. Please. Like I'm yeah. really into it um i also feel like this is like related to um what what i said earlier like uh what witches have their their familiars how familiars yeah like yeah. to me this is like a, a trait of a familiar almost yeah yeah for sure but in, in wealth yes yeah um so these are some other these are some stories related to specific cats the reason why I wanted to preface those with those two types of cats is because they kind of crop up here and there in the in these stories um so perhaps cats were so associated with pagan worship by civil civilizations such as ancient Egypt Jewish folklore often relates cats to demons in fact in Sephardic folklore that is among Jews of Spanish and Portuguese descent it is believed that Lilith Adam's first wife before Eve, who was banished from Eden because she refused to submit to her husband, transformed into a demonic black cat called Albrusha. According to Cats Most Wanted, 
This demon cat prowled around looking for its favorite prey, newborn babies. And when it found them, it would suck their blood. As a result, it was a custom for mothers never to leave their babies alone until they were at least nine days old. One story of this demonic cat tells of a nurse who has to leave a mother and and baby alone for a moment. And when she returns... The mother tells her that she has just dreamed that a black cat snuck into her room and transformed first into a jar and then back into a cat when it heard another cat meow from outside. It then took the baby from its bed and threw it out the window to another cat waiting outside. The nurse realizes that this wasn't a dream when she looks out to the window and sees a black cat running away with the baby. Come on. Yeah. What am I going to do with my black cat when I have my child? I don't know. I don't know. Gonna have to lock it up. See, maybe it's a Madagot though. Like maybe it's a good one. Maybe Mm -hmm. only for nine days. One day I'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to wait for nine days. Just ship it out for nine days. Yeah. (laughs) Then this is another funny one. Um, There's a British folk, folk folk tale known as the King of the Cats, which deals with the idea that we might be surrounded at all times by a supernatural society of which we know nothing. In the story, the wife of a gravedigger sits at home with her black cat, Old Tom, waiting for her husband. Finally, he bursts in, later than expected, and in a panic asking, Who's Tommy Tildrum? He then explains that he was digging a grave when he heard a meow. When he looked up, He saw nine black cats with white spots on their chest, indicating they were probably catchies, all carrying a tiny cat-sized coffin. The largest cat approached the gravedigger, his eyes flashing green, and said in a squeaky voice, Tell Tom Tildrum that Tim Todrum's dead. Confused at the instructions and terrified of what he had just seen, the gravedigger ran home to his wife, who it turns out also doesn't know who Tom Tildrum is. Someone knows, though, their cat Old Tom, who had been listening intently and meowing as the gravedigger told his story. Oh, my God. Soon jumps out of the wife's lap and shrieks, What? Old Tom's dead? Then I'm the king of the cats. At this time, Old Tom zips up the chimney and is never seen again. Shut the fuck up. That is, like, bar none, the greatest part of the story so far. Yeah. I even I'm told the king of the jumped on that no, one sir. specifically. I am the king of the cats. I think I we can all agree. Design. What? Old Tom's dead. Qu'est-ce que c'est? Old Tom is dead. Well, now I am the ruler of all of the felines. That is incredible. Hilarious. Okay. Amazing. This is the best part. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Also, Washington, D.C. has played host to innumerable monumental events and personages and is, of course, replite with ghost legends. Besides the various ghosts said to haunt the White House, including no less a figure of Abraham Lincoln himself, the U.S. Capitol building is said to host a number of spectral figures, including a wandering Civil War soldier and the ghost of John Quincy Adams. However, the most famous spirit from the nation's capital isn't a politician or even human. It's the demon cat. According to Atlas Obscura, sightings of the ghostly feline go back to at least the 19th century. 
when after the Civil War, a night watchman claimed to have been approached by a black cat that got larger and larger as it grew closer, until it was the size of a tiger. This monster cat knocked the guard down and disappeared into the ether. Legend states that this demon cat appears just before national tragedies, such as presidential assassinations. Other legends claim that those who witnessed the cat died of fright. Evidence of the cat's existence includes paw prints embedded in concrete in the small Senate rotunda and the letters DC imprinted elsewhere. A cat that can grow to tiger size and disappear is frightening enough, but one that's also literate is terrifying to think about. Especially when I have so many illiterate friends and then like the cat (laughs) is fine. And here's this cat, you know, just writing shit in concrete. Right? Jeez. You know, stirring (laughs) stirring shit up. So um, also a well-known spooky American folk tale is Wait Until Emmett Comes, which you might recognize from scary stories to tell in the dark, which we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. where it's collected under the title, Wait Till Martin Comes. In this story, a traveling preacher takes shelter in an abandoned mansion during a storm. He has heard rumors that the house is haunted, but he feels confident that God will protect him. He builds a fire in the fireplace and sits down to read his Bible. Soon, he hears a sound and looks up to see a large black cat stretching itself. The cat curls up in the coals of the fire, looks the preacher in the eye, and says, wait until Emmett comes. Minutes later, a second cat, midnight black and the size of a large dog, enters the room and joins the first cat among the coals. He asks the first what they will do with the preacher. The first says, we should not do anything until Emmett comes. A third cat, as large as a tiger, enters the room, rolls around the coals, chews them up, and spits them out. What shall we do with him? He asks the others. We should not do anything until Emmett comes, is the reply. The preacher closes Emmett, his where Bible. where are you at, bro? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, Sorry. where the fuck is Emmett at? <laughs> like, can he come already? The preacher closes his Bible, stands up, and essentially tells the cats, thanks for the company, but when Emmett gets here, tell him I had to go. And that's it. That's that's what happened. And he's Smart. Smart yeah, boy. Smart. Smart. Yeah. Smart preacher. <laughs> And finally, we have the ghostly cat of Killikey, which um, I got my information from geocaching.com. So this is like the big kind of story that I investigated and looked into because um, it seemed like the creepiest. Um, So on the slopes of Mount Pellier, opposite the entrances to Massey's Wood, is a private residence once known as the Steward's House. This area around the Hellfire Club is one of the most notorious haunted locations in Ireland. It is said that the Hellfire Club was cursed because it was built on the site of an ancient Stone Age burial cairn using rocks from the cairn in its construction. This steward's house was part of the former Lord Massey's estate and has its own ghoulish story. Hugh Massey squandered his wealth and the banks repossessed his vast ancestral home once called Killikey House and it was subsequently demolished. Following the demolition, the steward's house became known as Killikey House. In the 1960s and 70s, it was believed that this house was haunted. Many uncanny happenings 
violent events, and mysterious phenomena took place there. The house is linked to activities that took place in the Hellfire Club and was used by the Hellfire Club members on several occasions before and after their nocturnal activities on top of Mount Pellier, which I don't know too much about, but maybe we can discuss that at a later date. Mm -hmm. Local legend tells how Richard Burnchapel Whaley, a local member of one of the richest families and a regular member of the Hellfire Club, reveled in the debauched rituals. They are said to have included burning black cats alive and the worshipping of cats in place of Satan himself. Ugh. Yeah, so back to the basically the beginning of where Just black cats get their, their whole kind of bad rap. Um, the ghost of a woman screaming in anguish has also been reported in the area. It is believed that she was murdered by being trapped in a barrel which was then set alight and rolled down the hill while the young aristocrats of the club laughed. Additionally, Killikey House and the nearby Hellfire Club was said to be haunted by the spirit of a young man, a dwarf, who was brutally murdered in the 18th century during a ritual at the Hellfire Club. Giving credence to the rumors, in 1971, the body of a dwarf was found buried under the kitchen of Killikey House alongside a grotesque effigy of a horned and tailed demon. There's, yeah, there have been other noted visitors who stayed in the house. Countess Markovitz spent some time in the house in the years before the 1916 uprising. During the Troubles in the 1920s, a gun battle between the IRA and Black and Tans took place there, killing five members of the newly formed IRA. After a period of disuse and derelict building was purchased by Margaret O'Brien and her husband in 1968. They planned to renovate it and open it as a tea room and art center. Little did they know that it was already inhabited by a ghostly creature. Workmen restoring the house were terrified by numerous sightings of a huge black cat, said to be about the size of a dog with gleaming red eyes. Additionally, there were other disturbances including locked doors opening by themselves. Many of the workmen left without even collecting their wages and they refused to stay in the house. It fell to friends and family to finish the work. At first, Mrs. O'Brien thought this whole thing was nonsense until she saw the creature for herself. She said the animal was about the size of a German shepherd and that it squatted on the flagstones in the hallway. All the doors were locked before the apparition appeared and they remained locked after its disappearance. One evening, an artist known as Tom McCasey and two other men were painting the main hall and another room when the temperature dropped alarmingly. They were shocked to find the heavy 18th century door swinging open revealing swirling mists, especially as they had locked it earlier that evening. McCassie was further unnerved by the sight of a shadowy figure on the doorstep who spoke in a menacing, guttural voice warning them that the door must not be closed. As they fled, the figure in the hall changed form. He described it as a monstrous black cat with red-flecked amber eyes crouched there in the half-light. Later, McCassie painted a portrait of the black cat of Killikee, which still is in the house today. There were further sightings of the infamous black cat of Killikee in the area. Locals felt it was not the spirit of a cat, but rather a terrifying elemental spirit. Those who have encountered it report that it is capable of speech 
and has a face that can only be described as disturbingly humanoid. Locals were not the only ones to see the apparitions of the cat or the dwarf boy. In the 1970s, a series of seances and Ouija board sessions were carried out in an attempt to lay the ghost to rest. However, the disturbances accelerated and worsened. Lights turned on and off independently, Future was, furniture was broken into pieces during the night, and bells were heard ringing. The dwarf boy was seen walking with a blood-stained man. In fact, a short program was made about the goings-on in an attempt to catch the poltergeist at work. But it was all quiet on that day. The following day, however, was different. A sticky substance oozed throughout the house. The O'Brien's new pottery was smashed and paintings were torn to shreds. In the following days, different types of caps materialized on the floors and chairs. Babies' caps, sun caps, woolly hats, and women's hats. Some contained coins from France and Poland. So maybe that Matagot was not too happy. I guess not. In 1977, a priest exercised the house and all haunting ceased, at least for the time being. After the art center opened, guests stayed there frequently. One night, a group of actors, a little the worse for drunk, held a seance there, as they heard rumors about the cat locally. The cat was soon back, as they say, as well as the ghosts of two nuns that would pop up unexpectedly from time to time, confronting guests in the gallery. A medium visited soon after and claimed that the spirits were those of women who had assisted in satanic rituals done by the notorious Hellfire Club. So... Whether or not you believe that black cats are bad luck or not, they sure as hell have a reputation that precedes them. And personally, I'm not sure I have enough marketing credentials to give them a new brand. Ugh, my poor black cat. He's literally sitting here staring at me. (laughs) Oh, baby. Legit, he really is. (laughs) Okay. I did have a dream one time, a nightmare, that my cat was like possessed by a demon Mm. And then someone cut its head off. Oh, my God. Yeah. And its head was like on a record player and it was (gasps) spinning around making demonic noises. And I was like, oh, that is scary as fuck. That's what happens when I eat pickles before I go to bed. Like that's. Yeah, man. Don't eat before bed. Bad dreams always happen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's scary. Yeah. Um, It's just curious because like. Obviously, I mentioned in the two descriptions of the types of cats that there are, mm-hmm. the, she, the cat she and the matagot, it feels like these other stories have little reflections of yeah. that stuff in there. They definitely so, do. Um, yeah, so those, mm. were the, those are the stories that were more um, like English and like western cultural uh but there were tons of other black cat stories and i feel like we could probably do a second episode on black cats and all of their like i had no idea why black cats were really considered bad luck yeah yeah like i mean i assumed it had to do with with witchcraft in some way but i didn't really understand why Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so jeez well i guess we can move on to fuck mary kill now yeah, we can. Let's move on to fucking kill. I've got <laughs> I've got like seven options. So Perfect. you go first, and okay. then I'll just do the ones that you don't. We're doing things, sure. uh, Torians. Um, yes, because it's Taurus season, yeah. and it's just the right thing to do. 
Okay, so your three options are Queen Elizabeth II, yep. George Clooney, nice, nice. yeah, mm-hmm. and Cher. Okay, so I'm going to kill Queen Elizabeth II. Great choice. <laughs> I'm going to... Mm, ooh, marry Cher yeah. and fuck George Clooney. Yeah, that's the correct answer. You got that right. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yep. I, I don't even know if there's a, there's a, really a second option for me queen is old at all like so old queen is old she she needs to be with her she needs to be with the with her love now right with her cousin uh clooney is hot and Cher is like just like timeless you know you wouldn't get sick of her never never her and i would have the best strong enough I can do my share impression for her too, which would be great because I'm really good at it. So yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not doing it on here though. Okay. You guys have to pay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That is yeah. fair. That is quality extra content, bonus mm-hmm. content that only, yeah. only you can pay for. Thank okay. You. <laughs> so my three are, um, David Beckham. Okay. Megan Fox. Mm-hmm. And, Channing Tatum. Oh, those are all hot people. And so I was like, hot really? as like hard to choose at this point. I feel like, okay, okay. I feel like I'm marrying Megan out the gate. I really, really like her. I feel like she's gotten a really bad rap. Um, she does from, have pretty, from the a media. pretty bad reputation. Yeah, in the media, yeah. And like, also, she's dating Machine Gun Kelly, and I love Machine Gun Kelly. So if we could do like a thruple situation, I would be just so stoked with that. Uh, <laughs> or even just to hang That's out fair. with him. Then he can bring Pete Davidson, and then I get to hang out with Pete Davidson, who is also like have a huge crush on him even before he was dating Ariana, because um, my type is scrawny men. Who literally, my husband told me, he's like, your type is literally just like, you look like the worst decision I could make. Like, that's your type. And I was like, well, that says a lot about you when we first met. Correct? Yes. Totally. Um, So, so, um, marrying Mm -hmm. Megan Fox out the gate. Now, the the Channing Tatum versus David Beckham debacle that I'm having here. I feel like I'm going, okay, I'm going to kill Channing Tatum. I'm going to have sex with David Beckham because then that means that I get to go to London a lot and I like it there you get to go to London to have sex with him that's that's where you get to go that's my that's that's my thing I'm just gonna be like oh you wanted to hook up tonight sorry you have to fly me out there then because you're not coming here to hang out in my bunk in my bungalow (laughs) I have a very different I have a completely different okay I want to hear it different opinion let's hear it so i would have sex with megan fox okay i'm not even into chicks but like i just feel that she doesn't even matter she's okay she's yeah she's unbelievably sexy like it's just crazy um and i would marry channing tatum i have watched far too many fucking romantic movies Involving Channing Tatum to not want to marry Channing Tatum. Okay. And I cannot get over David Beckham's voice. So Beckham's Mm. cut. Fair. And also now that I'm thinking about it too, like if you had sex with David Beckham or you would basically be his mistress and then Posh Spice would hate you. And like, I don't know if I could live in a world where Posh Spice hates me. So I might have to kill David Beckham then. And then have sex with Channing Tatum. 
Which is I feel so like good. his career is like, kind of over too, so it's not like you're like taking him away from any pressing matters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, fine, I'll switch. I'll have sex with Channing Tatum, but he also every time we do it, he has to um, like do a live. Magic Mike? No, he has to do um, like from start to end a dramatic reenactment of "She's the Man," the entire movie from that, start to finish. Uh, I I thought he would already have that lined up for for any encounter that he's had. It's only and, fair. And that's it. Honestly, that's the, final that answer. moment with him and Amanda Bynes at the end is like, yeah. m- like the tingles that I Just get. The, ending, the only that. thing that bothers me about the ending scene is the entire time she's playing soccer with her long hair down. And I'm like, we get it. You're a girl. You can still put it in a ponytail and it'll still be long hair and they'll still know you're a girl. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm talking about the scene where she's all dressed up though when he's in a dress. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and like yes. they meet at the end. Like that yes. part is like. Yes. I love, I love for that some, movie. For some reason yeah it's a great movie it's just movie great so on so good. many levels and then the vow and then dear john never seen like the vow. Fuck never me seen up. dear john never seen Mm-mm. you'll no. want to marry Channing Tatum after that even magic right. mike even when he's a stripper he's somehow like well, emotionally available yeah hot <laughs> hot hot step up come on <laughs> step up <laughs> Uh, anyway anyway all right that's it for us today that was a good episode thanks for hanging out with us we had fun (laughs) i've decided we We have a great we had a great time yeah guys so this is a good episode and um (laughs) you will you will have enjoyed it yeah uh, we're telling you you did um (laughs) don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the podcast and uh Review would be amazing if you haven't left us a review yet. Um, And if you want some bonus content, it's difficult right now with COVID. We're not allowed to be in the same room with each other. So we haven't been able to get together to do our live Q&As in like a very long time. Um, So, but for extra content, uh, hopefully we can start posting some stuff up there for you guys and um, like merch we have stickers and stuff you guys can go to our patreon and if you can't support the podcast uh with money then the best way to support us in a free way is by writing us a review um we would love that so yeah yes that's it and stay tuned because um we do have some exciting news coming up and also i really quickly wanted to say before we end the episode um Mm -hmm. A big thank you to our intern, Mary, who is no longer our intern. Her internship ended. And so uh, if she's listening still, Mary, we miss you. And um, thank you for everything you did for us because we appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And Rockstar. she really was. Because that's, that's showbiz, baby. <laughs> that is. Stay spooky, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. If you like this episode of Paranormal, we need your help. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple. And if you listen to us on Spotify, go ahead and click the follow button. Even better, you can donate to us on Patreon, where you can access bonus content and members-only merch. To support your favorite spooky duo, go to patreon.com paranormalpod. And for show updates and giveaways, be sure to follow us on Instagram at paranormalpod. And remember, stay, stay spooky. spooky.